This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Episode 34 of the Four Stars Spurs podcast. I'm your host, Anthony. With me this week, we have Lucas. Hello, hello, hello. Tommy. What's up? And John. Lovely to be with you, as always. And it's great to be with you guys. Uh, uh, and actually, it's great to be with you guys after an exciting win. Uh, um, we don't often, um, especially not this season, uh, dominate teams at all. Um, and, and even though this wasn't much of a domination at first we f- we found a way to score four goals on on the bottom of the table team and do what you should do to the bottom of the table team that's already been relegated um but i kind of want to start the conversation uh, a little someplace else we'll get into sheffield united um but i kind of want to look at it differently this week i want to start start by having a look at what we have left where, where what our chances are and whether top four is a realistic possibility here. Um, so we just we just got our three points this week. Uh, next week, we take on Leeds. We have Wolves. We have Villa. And then we finish the season against uh, uh, top of the table, Leicester. Um, now, That's Man City. Uh, well, I'm sorry. Uh, top four, Leicester, is what I meant to say. Uh, but regar- uh, regardless... We- we're looking at a team that's in the top four that uh, that will be playing to finish up the season. Uh, we have a chance to gain points if if other teams do what they need to do. Do you think this is a realistic uh, uh, realistic shot here? Do you think we can pull off top four? Or are we just kind of trying to get our get fifth place and get our Europa League? Or uh, Tommy, uh, I actually don't remember if Burnley and West Ham won today, but. Uh, I would say it's improbable, not West impossible. Uh, okay, so fifth or sixth is the most likely, of course, then. Uh, I would say, A, we definitely have to beat Aston Villa, Wolves, and Leicester City to even have a hope and a prayer. Um, I don't know. I, I would say just, like I said, fifth or sixth is the most feasible. It's a lofty goal. I mean... If Ryan Mason can somehow get this act of God to happen, that'd be great, but probably not. Uh, Lucas, you were next, I think. Yeah, I think <clears throat> no, Tommy sums it. I mean, with when you look, we have four games left, um, so you got a possible twelve or five points behind Chelsea. So you're looking at we would need to go take twelve out of twelve points, and there's some tough competition in there. Um, and then you'd also need Chelsea to drop at least five out of those 12 points. And yeah, they, they have some, I think they play city. I think they still play Arsenal Leicester. So they have some games in there, but we're also looking at Liverpool and West Ham. Like, so we need a lot of teams to be dropping a lot of points and it just doesn't seem very feasible. And I think Tommy's right. Maybe fifth or sixth is probably going to be the goal that we shoot for, but I, I just don't see top four happening anymore. 
Well, yeah, you're you're right, and you point West Ham, who was able to win their match today against Burnley. So, uh, John, let's go to you next. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I don't think a top four is is feasible. And but on the other side of that, uh, fourth place might not get Champions League anyway this year. There's so many different combinations with uh, Arsenal and uh, Arsenal potentially winning the Europa Cup and uh, our Europa positions being uh, being dropped out. It seems at the moment that our likeliest is to go into this Europa combination, which I would really hope we don't. Um, we don't do that. I mean, there's a, that, there's going to be a lot of really rubbish teams in that uh, Europa combination uh, from smaller countries, and uh, it's not the uh, it's not the right place for Spurs to be. But if we get in there, I don't know if we have the option of saying no. Because if we're not going to do Europa or Champions League, I would much rather have a season where we can concentrate on the league, um, get that, you know, get those extra games, not play those extra games, um, and move and move on from there. But uh, I think it's going to it's going to come down to the last day as to um, you know who goes where and and what and when and how. It's certainly an exciting season, and and, and that's why. You could picture a world like with these fixtures that we have where we could get all 12 of those points and then, then possibly if enough if other teams did us a favor, that, um, get lucky. But it doesn't seem like a very Spurs thing to get lucky in that way. So I, I'm not ho- holding out hope for it, which kind of brings me to the question, the, the first question that, that we have that comes from our own Joe, Tommy. And do you have that question queued up for us? Yes, I certainly do. Joe's question, uh, if we miss out on top four, Joe's a not playing bail. Has it ultimately cost us a Champions League place? Lucas, I got your hand up. Yeah, yeah, I think, Lucas, you're first. I I mean, I I think it's obvious. I mean, of course it has. I think that's one of the big things that we were talking about down the pub yesterday. It's just how you have a guy of that caliber, and the numbers speak for themselves. I think, what is it now? Uh, he started 12 games for us this year in the Premier League, and he's got 14 goal contributions, nine goals and four or five assists. It's it, it's remarkable, and I think Jose's ego is what eventually got in the way, and that comes from me. I was a big Jose backer all the way to the end, but I think that will go down as part of Jose's Spurs legacy here was the not playing bail thing. How do you have a guy of that caliber when you look at the places that we didn't play him and the places we dropped points? Like, you're telling me Bale couldn't help get points against or get all three points against Wolves. Bale couldn't help us get points against Newcastle or win that game either time. Um, but I mean, the first time, I mean, there was no Bale. But it's just like there's so many games. The Fulham at home could have used Bale. Like, there's just we dropped so many points. And to have a guy of that caliber just sitting on the bench watching us drop all these points, it's just inexcusable. And I think it's absolutely one of the reasons. Again, we're only five points out of top four. Newcastle, Fulham, two right there. If we were able to go win those games, it's like, bam, we're looking to top four. Or it's just, you got a guy that's as good as we saw yesterday, and we'll get into Sheffield, but when you watch a guy of that caliber who's able to just, he it's he and Harry Kane are just a different level of talent. And you have a guy like that, and he's just going to sit on the bench. Yeah, uh, it's Unfortunately, like I said, it's going to go down as part of Jose Spurs' legacy, but that'll always be the big question. 
and maybe down the road, Jose will come out and say, oh, it's because he did this or that. Or, But to me, it's inexcusable. And it's absolutely the reason that we're going to be, unfortunately, looking from looking in on the outside, looking in the top four. Let's go to John next. Yeah, I'm I'm with you, Luke. It's uh, it's a bit of a mystery to me um, why he hasn't played. Um, I'd like you thought we'd give Mourinho a chance. Um, but there are some decisions that he made that I think have cost us games, and a lot of those do involve Bale. I mean, he would start, he'd score a goal, he'd be brilliant, and then he wouldn't play for three games. And then they put him in again, and he'd score another goal. I mean, up until last week, he was averaging a goal a game, and he got a hat trick on. Um, uh, he got a hat trick on uh, on Sunday, and as good a hat trick as I've seen in a long time. I mean, there are many, many players that could not have scored those goals that he did. He's a he's a class above. And why the heck has he been sitting on the bench when we've been struggling to score? It's uh, absolute mystery to me. Yeah, Tommy? Yeah, I'm, <clears throat> there's not a lot to be said right now. I mean, for, or that Lucas and John didn't mention. It, as our friend Joe would say, it's criminal that Bale has it. Like, he got slowly weaned in, but I'm like, yeah, September he was injured. October a little injured. Like, he wasn't – I think Liam, uh, he was commenting in that Joe's question – he wasn't fully up to snuff until January. I'm like, okay, I get it. Fair enough. Jose was giving him some spare minutes before that, but I'm like, even so, I'm like, give him 15, 20 minutes just almost, or in a, some games, even when we're losing, to get us some hope. Those point, those potential points could have been salvaged, and I was talking to Peter last or yesterday, and I'm like, unfortunately – this uh, since Pochettino's reign, like a lot of the matches, it's a lot of what ifs. Whether what if Deli Ali played or like against Man City, what if Harry Kane didn't start and we played with a stronger squad? Um, because he wasn't fully 100%, allegedly, of course. Or like what would happen if we didn't lose to West or tie West Ham? You know, like we in theory, we could be in a Champions League spot right now. So I mean, long story short, Joe, your the, to answer the question is pretty much a yes. Uh, the guy still has it, and it's it's just another notch in the uh, Spurs belt of frustration. Let's just say. Yeah. Well, to your point, Tommy, like I think you can forgive like that early part of the season when we all thought it was just a fitness issue. Cause I think there was a fitness issue coming in. We were warned about a fitness issue, but I think somewhere along the line, he, along the line, he got up to fitness. And then we started seeing Bale getting used like for 30 minutes to finish off one match. And then maybe he'd start the other one and play 60 minutes. And we all thought like, okay, we're, he's, he's scoring goals. He's contributing, but we're managing his minutes well during a week when we have two matches during a week, I thought that we were starting to use him the right way under Jose. And for me, it was really when that, when we got knocked out of Europa league, that all of a sudden he completely fell out of favor and we weren't using him at, at all, whether it was as a rotation player, a, you know, a player to try and score a late goal or a player to start a game and come off after 60 minutes. Um, that's the way Jose was using him. But it's clear that it looks like that he could probably go the full 90 at least once a week. Um, so 
I have to agree with Joe that like, I think there was a missed opportunity and whether it was uh, whether there was some legitimate reasons earlier in the season for not getting minutes. Um, certainly the later part of the season, I, I, I totally blame Jose for how it was handled. Uh, um, uh, John, I think you wanted to respond to that. Yeah. Um, the, the thing that I wanted to say was it was about five or six weeks ago when he started um, Kane, Son and Bale. And I don't know about you guys, but I was really excited by that. And it was just great. And then we didn't see it again up until last week when Mourinho's gone. Um, it makes no sense to me whatsoever. And there are other um, there are other things going on now, uh, Mason's in charge, that I think are, uh, as we play the next four games, it's going to be indicative we're going to see what issues Mourinho had by just what um, Mason's putting out there. And uh, the other thing is Bale does a lot better when he starts than he does when he comes on with 15 minutes to go. Um, it takes him a while to get warmed up. His first goal on Sunday was not until uh, later on. And, and if, he's only, if he can only play 60 minutes, play the first 60 minutes and then, you know, and give him a good go. That's uh, and I think we will see that under Mason. Lucas, uh, bring it home, and then we got to move on to the Sheffield United match. Yeah, and like just what John had just said, where when Bale comes on for just an odd fifteen minutes here and there, and a lot of times he's getting brought on for these random spots of okay, we have fifteen minutes left. Now we bring on Bale. Usually, when that happens, he's coming in in a less than desirable situation. We're probably down a goal, or there's a bunch of other, like the game is completely like John had mentioned how Bale needs to warm up. Bale doesn't have the freedom. If you bring him on and we're down one, like with, or it's in like a, we must score type of situation. It's a little bit different than getting to start the game, warm up, kind of grow and express yourself the way Bale can in a game. Um, But I think what John had mentioned, the, with like the Arsenal game was the big, that was the turning point before the Arsenal game. We had, I think there was a couple games in a row we had seen Bale come on and just absolutely smash. He looked like him, Kane, and Son were just on like a different wavelength, and they were just tearing it up. And then I think we saw Jose kind of use Bale as like a scapegoat for the Arsenal game because after Arsenal, we just didn't see Bale anymore. And it was like, oh, well, Bale didn't play well against Arsenal, but nobody did. Everyone looked like shit that day. Even our own ghost, like our goal scorer that day got two yellows and was out in 70 minutes. So, I mean, everyone was horrendous that day. Why Bale just got used as the scapegoat for Jose. It was as almost like Jose was hoping, like, Bale would have a bad game so he could just be like, you're not back out there. But I I think if we started him, and like John said, play the first 60 minutes. I think after that Arsenal game, when we had the Europa game that Thursday, if Bale comes out there and starts that Thursday, I think there's no way we don't get a goal and we go put that tie to bed. Instead, we let... Zagreb take control of that game and it all we all know how that went but yeah I think wrapping it up like you said I think it it absolutely is a Jose problem that is the reason we're not going to be in top four yeah I I I think it's it's difficult to argue that there is a Jose connection here and I I was a supporter of of Jose at the beginning and I know you, you certainly were for both of us Lucas to be able to say it um I I think it's true Truly uh, a, a loss that we didn't see more of Bale 
earlier in this season and seen what could have happened. Like that, we just could have caught those couple extra goals that led to a couple extra points here and there, uh, and we could have been talking top four easy uh, with how tight the league is right now. But um, but no, great conversation there, guys. But we have to roll the conversation into the Sheffield United. So. Um, so we'll, there'll be plenty more to say about Bale in this, of course. Uh, so, uh, so we take on Sheffield. Uh, it takes us a little while to get going. I think, as those of us that were watching together in the pub, I think there was a lot of frustration. But, but finally, in the 36 minute, Bale gets his first goal. Um, we go into halftime. I remember thinking we need another goal or else this is – I, I could see us as bad as Sheffield was. Uh, I could see us still finding a way to get a stupid 1-1 draw at the end. Um, but then the second half happened, and it became a, a much different story. I think the, the play got more aggressive, uh, um, which I think it was already the, the – people were on the front foot. They weren't uh, worried about defending as much. We did see a little bit more aggression in the first half, but especially in the second half, I I think the aggression was very good. And then you know Bale got his sixty uh, first minute, and then his sixty uh, ninth minute, and then Sun got to put the cherry on top of the the, the Bale uh, uh, hat trick pie, um, and uh, it was a hell of a day out. Um, so let's uh, start with John. What are your thoughts on this match? Well, I want to address what I've seen in the in the media which was, while it was only Sheffield United, they're bottom of the league and they're already relegated. Because more often than not, once a team is relegated and they've got that pressure off them, they play like champs. And um, very, we've seen a lot in, the, in all the years I've been watching football that as soon as a team is relegated, it's like the monkeys off their back. They go out and play great football. And, um, and I think to a certain extent in the first half, Sheffield were very presentable. Um, but we came through and we did what we had to do. And I think with 1-0 up at halftime, under Mourinho, we would not have scored three goals in the second half. Um, I think that he stuck with his opening lineup. Um, he went with it and it paid off. Um so, to me, I, I think you are seeing a difference in the team now than you did under Mourinho. And uh, from what I can tell, I like it. It's a good thing. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, uh, Lucas? Yeah, I think the big thing for me was that ability to put teams away. Like like John mentioned, sometimes when the team is already relegated, that's when they can be at their most dangerous. And we've seen – how many times have we seen this year where we drop points at the end, even though we boss a game and we were completely in control. It's the Premier League. These are all teams with the capability of scoring. Look at Newcastle just robbed points off of Liverpool at the end in the 95th minute. They robbed points off of us in the beginning in the 95th minute. If you don't put these teams to bed, especially at home, like they're always capable of just nicking points right at the end or getting one by you off a cheeky deflection or something like that. It, it, it happens. So I was really proud to see us because when I got most nervous was when son had that second goal that was like taken back by VAR for being off sides. That was the moment where I'm like, Oh crap, this is, we, we got to score now. Like that. I thought that was it. Game was put to bed and then it wasn't. And sometimes you see VAR happens to have that like emotional swing where when you get away with one on VAR, it's almost like just, the life can just be injected back into you, even if you're like the Sheffield United's of the world. Um, 
so I, I thought for sure that was a dangerous moment, but I, I was really happy with how our quality just won out and we put this team to bed. It was, it was clinical and it was something that we've lacked on this season. And like John had mentioned with Jose, I don't know if we would have saw that with Jose. Um, so it was really good to see us just come out and not allow there to be any craziness in the 95th minute because we just took care of it and ended it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Tommy? Yeah, I kind of um, – I'll get back to Lucas's point, but like what John was saying earlier, like the monkey off the back, like, oh, their face has been sealed. Like, we've seen that multiple times with Spurs. Like, for example, like two last game of the seasons or season finales, 0-9 against Burnley, we lost to them. Granted, Ben Alnwick, or how do you say his last name, he was in goal, didn't play so well. Um, the other one I remember was Newcastle United in, I think, 2016, where we choked second place. And I was getting that feeling a little bit at times in the first half. So, like, things were going back and forth, of course, but, like, around the 26th minute, I'm like, we, I felt like the team didn't really respond well, and it was just kind of going back into old habits. Thankfully, things picked up. Um, you know, Bale, that was probably one of the best performances I've seen, aside from both uh, Inter Milan games from yesteryear. So I'm very thankful for that. But, like, even with like how Lucas was saying about Sun, that was a great goal that got overturned. I mean, of course, VR, you don't, science doesn't lie. And I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, oh, this has got to be crushing, demoralizing. My issue, or the question I had for Sun was, how is he going to respond? After, an, uh, what was it? Bale scored two goals. So I'm like, okay, you know, and he's playing, Sun was doing pretty decent. So I'm like, okay, he's got to be itching to get a goal. And thankfully for us, we got it or he got that goal. So that was very pleasing to the eye, of course. And another or two things, one, I'm like, it, it's still kind of, I mean, until we win a trophy, it'll probably irk me, but I'm like this, I like with this team, you know, we finally picked things up again, but I'm like, imagine like this could have been prevented, like whether it be Josie not being stubborn, shutting guys out or players have an effect on that. You know, like today or yesterday, they totally seemed up for it over the course of the match. So that definitely helped. Secondly, or my final thought for right now, everybody was mad about, you know, counterattack. Three of the goals were counterattack yesterday, and it looked pretty good. Like, all those three goals that we had, you know, Bale with the outlet pass from Sun, um, this, his third one from Surge, and then... Son again with the counter. I'm like, they were all great goals, whether it be placement or, you know, long range shots. You know, it, it it wasn't pretty. So I'm like, so with my issue with that is like anybody says that counterattack like Lester did back in 15, 16 with Ranieri. Oh, it's ugly football, Mike. If you if Spurs can do it effectively like this, nobody should be bitching. So. I'm going to let you respond quick, Lucas, because I'm going to shift conversation. So it looked like you wanted to respond. So go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say what Tommy had mentioned, counterattacking. It's one of the nice things that we always talk about with where 
you have the ability to score early, especially against teams like this. Against a team like South, like they or Sheffield, they never really tried or looked like they were able to score on us. It never looked like it was. They never had any real clear threatening chances. Um, but in that beginning, being able to get that goal in the first half and force them into an open game where now we have the ability to counterattack, like let them have the ball and come at us, force them to now come out. And when they do, I don't think there's a more scary team on the counterattack than us with Sun and Kane and Bale. Like it's, we, we have all those guys where we can absolutely destroy teams. We've seen it against a lot of teams this year, Man United, Southampton, we've destroyed teams sometimes on the counterattack. And I think getting that earlier goal against a team that may tend to not want to have possession or let you have the ball and they want to park the bus and take the point, something like that. Being able to get that early goal will bring a team like that out and then you can just slice through them, which is what we did. No, definitely. Um, I want to backtrack a little bit and um, have a conversation because this was the second consecutive match where Ndombele was not selected, started, or substituted on. And we have a question that goes to that that comes from Cy, um, which I thought was a very good question. So, Tom, do you have that queued up? Yep. Uh, Cy asked, has Mason done the right thing by benching Ndombele? Skills are one thing, creating is another another. Team passing seems to be quicker and sharper, I believe he has. Uh, John, what do you got? Yeah, I think that uh, I, I have also been thinking a lot about that. Um, and my conclusion is that we all know in a team, if you've got 20 players, the best 11 of those players looked at individually is not necessarily the best team. And I think we have that situation here. And Dembele has a lot of class. He's a great player. But things didn't seem to work when he was on the field as well as they have worked when now he's off the field. Um, now, Mourinho kept with him no matter what, it appears. And um, I don't know whether that's because of the transfer fee, whether he had pressure um, to play him because of how much money we we spend on him, but I I think he's in that situation that he doesn't make the best. He's not part of the best team we have, although he is one of the top. I think probably three or four players that we have in the in the squad. Yeah, and I can agree with that on raw talent, uh, but I think Lucas is probably going to tackle whether raw talent is enough. Uh, so <laughs> I'm going to let Lucas go <laughs> next. Well, you guys haven't heard me talk about Ndombele before, have you? The the thing with him is he is a special talent, of course. Um, but where that fits in our team and our squad, we just don't know. And last week we talked big about how we don't have an identity. Like, are we? What, what kind of team are we? I don't think he has a role, and I don't think I don't think a. It's not. It's definitely not a well defined role. He doesn't seem to fit. And I think one of the reasons that Jose did stick with him as long as he did was because LaCelso could never be healthy. So now that you have a healthy LaCelso, you see, okay, well, LaCelso can do the job, and we seem to be a little bit more free flowing through that as opposed to Ndombele. Ndombele just, there's just something off, and I don't think it fits. And it's a bummer, but I think he's, like, again, we talked, he's got some talent. He can do, 
like the goal he scored last time we played Sheffield was absolutely incredible. But for that money that we paid and for that level of talent, we have to be seeing a week in and week out type of reliability like we have with Hoybeer. I mean, Hoybeer is a guy that we got for three million net spend. We got to think that our 65 record spend has got to be able to give us more production than an odd great nutmeg here and there and a nice flick over the goalkeeper way at Sheffield. We just didn't see that like consistent level of productivity. And I think now that LaCelso is healthy, I wouldn't be shocked if we don't see a lot of LaCelso moving or uh, excuse me, Ndombele moving forward. Yeah. Let's go to John next. Yeah, I agree with you, Luke. I think that, um, you know, what we see in the future now, LaCelso is fit is going to be interesting. But, you know, you look at the alternative, the out-of-favour Winks has now played two games. Um, people were grumbling about him. There's no doubt about it in my mind that he and, and Sessegnon together, or Sissoko together, um, didn't seem to work, and that was bad. But Winks has done a very good job in the line. I thought he was terrific on Sunday um, against Sheffield, and I thought he did a you know a reasonable job in the, in the cup final. And I think that, again, that's a classic point that I was making before. If you put him head-to-head with Ndembele, is he a better player than Ndembele? No, probably not. But in the team, he makes the team better. Yeah, I I, I still struggle because I really do not rate Winks that well. But, like, I understand what you're saying, John, and it's – it's kind of like it makes me think of those uh, U.S. national teams that would make it deep into a World Cup out of nowhere. Like the some of those parts were terrible. Like there's no way they should have been competing against the teams that they played against. But they somehow they managed to go a l- little bit deeper into a World Cup than you would expect out of a team as bad as the U.S. Um, and K- Winks is kind of that type of player to me. It's like uh, – um, he seems to fit what what Ryan Mason's trying to do, and it's uh, uh, it, it's better than Ndombele, who doesn't seem to fit or be fit or uh, or really uh, wear his heart on his sleeve and play play for the badge or anything like that. It's there's a lot lot that Winks has that's not talent that seems to be working. Uh, Tommy, yeah. Um. So side, I, so. Finalize your question because, like, John and Lucas, they kind of summed up Ndombele for the most part. Um, A, if you're getting something for 60 plus million, you expect that player or somebody like Sanchez who broke the record the year before, you expect them to be integrated into the squad the first time they set foot in a competitive game. Unfortunately, that hasn't happened. Um, So, as Anthony said, like, you know, the team is the sum of its parts. And kind of like under Pochettino, like, you know, the team, they all work together. And they put, like, and I've argued at the time that the best team, quote-unquote, was Spurs. Yeah, the Manchester Cities, the Liverpools of the world, they might have had talent that could override us in the blink of an eye, in theory. But we, as a team, we played the best. So, but to answer your question, it's clearly yes for right now. Um, I still think Ndabwe has a future. It's just, we got we don't actually know his best position either because he's been playing attacking midfielder, central midfielder. But also the other issue is 
unfortunately, the fact that you're paying $65 million for him, you expect him to be the difference maker. I think, unfortunately, he is the guy that needs a supporting cast around him to see his best under Spurs. So it is what it is. But, like, in terms of Mason, I'm not – I mean, I'm assuming that he'll go back to the U18s when he's done. He's not just going to be gone from Spurs. So, but regardless of that, Ryan Mason wants to have a good impression. So, I mean, he's only lost one game, but in the Premier League, granted, it's only two matches. He's won both of them. So, for argument's sake, if he ran the table against Leeds United, Aston Villa, Wolves, and Leicester, and the decision hasn't been made at that time uh, for a next manager, like, he could bring in a potential bargaining chip for that. Because, A, he's cheap. B, if he gets relief or if he gets fired, you know, he can go back to the U18s and apply his trade, um, you know, at a lower level. Uh, Lucas, if you have one more quick point, uh, we're going to go to another question afterwards. Uh, yeah, I just <clears throat> I think what uh, kind of what Tommy just alluded to, I had spoken previously about how these last couple games are going to be auditions almost to see like what players truly want to be here, what players are good at what positions. Like, there's a lot we can learn from these last few games. But I think with one of the things we're seeing with Ndombele is this is also an it's audition mode for Ryan Mason. Ryan Mason now has a really big stage for himself to prove, like Tommy said, he might just go back to the U18s. Ryan Mason's probably thinking, if I go out and win out and I was 5-0 and in the Premier League with Spurs, like he could be potentially auditioning for different coaching jobs around the league, so or around England. So he could be using these games as kind of like a launching point for him to try and advance his career. And I think what we're seeing is he thinks Ndombele in there isn't the best way for us to win at this point because no one's probably more motivated than Ryan Mason. Cause he wants to make himself, this is all resume boosting for him. So I think with we're seeing that in Mason's head in Dombele out there is not the best squad or it's not the best way for us to bring in all these points. So uh, I think John- it, just, it shows a little bit into what he's thinking. Yeah, I mean, I think he's he's resume building, but I think more important than that, I mean, he's Spurs through and through. The lad grew up in Enfield, for goodness sake. Um, uh, five stops on the Enfield town line to White Hart Lane. Um, so I think he's doing it for the team, and if he's successful and he looks good doing it, I think that's a secondary thing. Um, I don't believe he will be um, he'll be made our manager. I think he's got a little bit less, you know, doesn't have quite the experience. But, uh, but yeah, I think the most important thing is to, for him to get Spurs on, you know, on track. And he's doing that. Yeah. And on the audition point, I think that that's a good place to roll into our next question. Um, there's a lot of people that are auditioning to see if we want to keep them around. But maybe some of them aren't really auditioned so much as uh, whether we can bring them back or not. So let's go to the question from... Uh, at Chi-Town Spurs, our own Nate, uh, or he has up there right now, to Darius to Deitch. Uh, so, uh, uh, Tommy, can you give us Nate's question? Should we bring Gareth Bale, or should we bring back Gareth Bale if we can get another year of the loan? 
Yeah, and it's not really an audition for him, uh, or if it was, he just killed the audition uh, this week for sure with the three. And I think it's easy to look at it on a high when somebody gets a hat trick that, yes, we want to bring this guy back. Um, But certainly we need the firepower right now, right? We need that way to find extra ways to win. What do you think, Lucas? I mean, it's a, this is very easy. Uh, Yes, of course you do. You bring him back. you don't have talents like these don't just grow on trees. You can't get guys that can that first goal he scored yesterday. There's a handful of people in Europe that can make that finish. But unfortunately, I just don't see it happening because the way we spend, the way we buy, the way we do business with Levy, I just I can't imagine it. Um, the price tag, the better he plays right now, the more that price tag is going up in theory. And in a time like right now where no one has money because of COVID, a team like Madrid, who's made it clear that he's not part of their plans, but they could sell him on to someone in theory. Or So I'm, when Madrid's watching this and Bale's scoring hat-tricks and he's started 12 games, he's got 14 goal like, contributions, Madrid's got to be excited because they're just watching his price tag go up. So I think that Ideally, yes. The answer is you. If you have a talent of that caliber, you have to keep it around. But I just I can't see us financially. Like I just don't see a way that we're going to make that happen. Uh, John. Well, we made it happen this year. Um, I looked at the at the salary chart the other day, and to me, it's absolutely amazing that we are paying our share of Bale's salary is half of what he's earning. And he is making even that half is three times what Kane is getting. So he's a high price commodity. And with that kind of money, you need him to really do the kind of stuff he was doing on Sunday. And if he continues that through the end of the season and we have a chance to keep him, I think we should go with it um, because I think he's the kind of player that can really make a difference. And I also think he's... Um, he spurs through and through. I think he loves playing for us. He enjoyed playing for us before. He got the move of a lifetime. Nobody can blame him for taking that position. And uh, and now he's back. And he seems to be enjoying his football, which he hasn't done in a long time. Yeah. No, so I think I, I think you're dead on. I, if, if we could financially make it work, I want to make it work. I mean, we, we need that guy. Whether it can happen or not is another question. But, Tommy? Yeah, uh, so, I mean, Nate, to answer your question just straight up, yes. Uh, but here's the other thing. I looked up an article. I found it on the Daily Mail, so take it for what it's worth. But the rumor and innuendo is that we have the first option for a second uh, loan deal for next season, which would be the end of his, I mean, the end of his uh, contract at Real Madrid. Um, but of course, Bale would have to agree to it. So I guess another thing that would depend on or hinge on the next manager. So whether it be, I don't know, well, I mean, we'll talk about that part later, but like whoever is the next manager, if that person's in there in his, or if he would potentially be in the plans, then yeah, sign him up, of course. So my only, the only thing is, where are you? Question. So it also said that allegedly, as John was saying, we're paying 240,000 pounds a week. So as John said, it's around, it's half. So 
if we can pony up the money again, I mean, of course, money's tight. We're almost a billion in debt right now because of the stadium, and we're not generating as much revenue. Uh, but of course, winning solves everything. So if we can get, you know, push for a Champions League following season or win a trophy next season, that generates more money in. Or even if Levy decides to bring DVDs back to the fold, um, I think it's a no-brainer. I think, like how you guys are saying, it's it does seem like he is enjoying his football, as John said. And of course, golf. I mean. There's probably some new golf courses around the area that he hasn't played yet, so why not? <laughs> uh, Lucas, final thoughts before we go to MVP, LVP? No, Tommy summed it up. I think it's just it's it's going to come to financially whether or not we can spin it. Um, and as Tommy alluded to, I know that we're winning solves everything. He said it's it's are we going to bet on ourselves as far as whether or not he's in the new manager's plans. Whoever our new manager is, as long as he's not an imbecile, he's going to say, I want Gareth Bale in my team. Like Guys like this, again, they don't grow on trees. A guy that can change any game at any moment with his absolute elite caliber. Like You need that guy on your squad. Um, but yeah, it's hopefully we can swing it financially. I think Bale would want to play here. It's It's fun watching him have fun again playing football. You haven't seen it for years. And it's so evident where... He's laughing, joking, smiling, hanging out with people on the bench. Like he's having a he's having a really great time playing football again. And I don't think he would give that up. As long as the wages are somewhat comparable, I don't think he would give that up to go play in Italy or France or something like that. I think he wants to be here. So fingers crossed that we could swing it, but um I'm not yeah. gonna put I'm not gonna make my hopes too high. I mean we know how that goes. No, I I I think everybody's dead on here. Bring back Bale if you can, and I will totally support if we can. If there's a reasonable reason that we can't, I'll, I'll understand. But uh, I, I think I think we need to have Gar- see Gareth Bale for a whole season with us. Um, but regardless, um, I want to go to MVP LVP. I know we haven't talked a ton about the Sheffield match, but I think we've talked about the some important factors around it. Uh, but maybe we can uh, uh, shake out a little bit more about the match and the MVP LVP pick. So, uh, so let's start with uh, MVP first and go with Tommy. Yeah, uh, it's clear or it's relatively obvious, I would say, who the MVP should be. It's the flavor of the day yesterday. That's uh, Gareth Bale. Um, this is what we saw during his like the last two seasons of Spurs back in 2011-12 and all 13 this reminds me of it uh i know it's a smaller sample size now and he's a little older but i'm like keep doing what you're doing and ryan mason for the love of god start him for the rest of the season if he's healthy i i had no complaints for him and i would like he did everything that was needed he had the power he had the skill yesterday and he looked great while doing it so yeah, to, your question, Tommy, just because I, I think we're all going to pick Bale anyway, uh, but do, do you think, um, do you agree with Ryan Mason's decision not to start him for the question, but I just want to ask you in passing, do you think, uh, um, do you think, do you blame Ryan Mason for not starting Bale in that match? Uh, I would say there's a bit of naivety, naivete from that. I don't know. Maybe he was planning to bring him on and then like, 
I don't know. We don't, I mean, that was his second game. So, I'm, I'm, A, I'm not going to fault him that much, even though it was a glaringly obvious omission. But well, we, he needed to play defensive against a, a city, and he was looking at a guy that doesn't contribute that much other than a couple plays here and there on defense. Um, yeah, so- I'm, but I mean, if we were set up to play like how we did yesterday and set up for, like, defensively do well and then go for the counter, Gareth Bale would have been primed for that, I would I would have think, I would think. Yeah, no, good. it's definitely an interesting debate, but let's go to John next. MVP, you can also give your thoughts on that point as well. Well, I'm not going to second-guess Mason in his third game, um, whether or not he should have played Bale. Um, you know, I think uh, that, that it's being, that's being hypercritical. I mean, he'd had very few days to really see what was going on and um i think as tommy said he was he felt that we needed stronger defensively and you know to be honest we only gave out one goal so you know that wasn't uh he succeeded in that yeah um mvp definitely bail um are we doing lvps now or are we uh, gonna wait on that we'll go back around for lvp uh, so don't worry okay. just, just mvp now uh so lucas uh your mvp bail uh bail um, 100%. I just wanted to give a special shout out to Serge. Um, thought Serge played really well. And it's interesting how some of these goals were created by actually running at defenders that Serge seemed like he was up for it. Um, it's just nice to see what can happen when you actually take on a defender. It can create chances for big talents like Bale. So special shout out to Serge. But yeah, Bale, I mean three class finishes that was a worldly so mvp by a mile yeah you 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 can't give it to anybody besides bail uh i'll give an honorable mention to son i mean son got the goal he got the the almost goal that was uh, a a pretty uh well-timed play that it's really that i hate that leaning across the line and var calling you offside i don't think your weight shifting going over uh past the defender should count i think it should be your waist or uh, area is where it should be measured from, but regardless, I don't make the decisions there. But uh, Son had a had a good day out, and it was good to see him come back and have a good day out because he's we've seen a couple of really piss poor performances from him uh, in both the Cup final and in the match prior to that. Even he wasn't that good either. So, um, but yeah, definitely bail. Uh, so let's start with Tommy for LVP. So yeah, I don't have anybody oddly enough like I would have given it to Delhi earlier because he started off slow I mean of course it kind of comes with the territory of him not playing a lot but I mean he picked things up and I think he did very well in terms of pressing and all that good stuff but like um yeah like everybody did well like in the past I slagged off Dyer and I did it at the bar last week at the final and actually played pretty well this week or yesterday played very well as well. So I think I might have to start just shitting on him just so, to will him into playing well. Of course that will work from uh, a few thousand miles away. But yeah, like like I said, nobody played no there's nobody that deserved a title of LVP. No, I, I think I have to agree with you, Tommy, and I, I I had the same thought with you on Deli Ali. Like when I first started, like he, he had a couple errant passes, he was getting a, a beat at times. Um, but he kind of uh, grew into the, the the match, and I think it was that first half where we 
uh, it took us a while to get that first goal to the 36th minute. And going up to that, you were seeing Deli Allen uh, make some bonehead plays that led to counterattacks and things like that. So that's that is a a good mention. But it's tough to give it to him because he really picked it back up in the second half and and. and and we saw some of what we loved about Delhi, and he made some amazing plays. Like uh, there was that one nutmeg uh, <laughs> on the the counter that I think he contributed to. That there there was a lot to be said for Delhi, and I can't give it to anybody either. So I'm just going to jump in there and stomp on Tommy, and we'll go to John next. Well, I'm not going to put anybody who was in the starting eleven in there, but am I allowed to put a substitute in? Oh, certainly. I thought Berwin, I thought Bergwijn came in and did very little. No, he was only on the field for 15 minutes. But um, if I'm allowed to do that, I would put um, him as my LVP. Yeah, that, I think that's a point. Yeah. Uh, uh, Lucas? Well, I mean, Bergvine had one of the – he had a really great cross that Kane almost got a goal on. Like, Bergvine was still running. Um, it was good to see. He looked hungry when he came on. Didn't – like John, didn't mean he did a lot that impacted the game. Um, but – I won't hesitate like Tommy did. I will give it to Delhi. Um, for me, it's just I, I have higher standards with him. We know how special of a player Delhi Ali is, so I, I think that our standards right now are very low. And we're like, oh, you know, Delhi, he like worked his way into the game and this and that. It's like you're Delhi Ali. You've been here for five years doing incredible things. Why all of a sudden are we just like, okay, well, you grew into the game, Delhi. Good for you. Like. He looked lazy at times. He didn't look like a guy that was itching to get back into the starting 11. Um, so, it, 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 yeah, it kind of bummed me out a little bit. I was expecting him to be coming out flying, trying to create things and get his name as, like, one of the first ones on the team sheet like it used to be. Um, and this is a guy, like I said, that we know he has this potential. Like, he is proven to be a really special talent. So, I think we've all kind of lowered our standards for him, and he was my LVP yesterday. Fair point. harsh, but <laughs> no, yeah, fair. But... It, it's harsh in a four nil victory to give anybody. Yeah, LVP. I... but but uh, but I can understand the point because I felt that way in the first half. But I uh, I do think he had some redeeming uh, points in the second half that made me see like I give a guy a chance who hasn't been getting regular minutes, despite the fact that I think he. He deserved to not get those minutes because of his attitude. Uh, but but now that he's back in and got a whole game, you can't expect somebody to come out at the beginning and, and be firing on all cylinders. There's going to be some errant passes. You have to get comfortable again and get used to a match day. So I'll, I'll give him a break here, but I understand your point, Lucas. I think fair enough. Um, but um, great conversation there in the first half. Uh, we do have uh, the Leeds match to preview in the second half. But first, we're going to have three halftime segments that I'm very excited about. And we're going to answer a couple more questions on uh, what direction the team should go coaching-wise. Um, but first, we're going to start with uh, Luke's Locks as our first-time half segment. All right, boys. Let's get some free money here. we got four picks for you. And again, some of these might not be very popular, but it is free money, so take it. Uh, we'll start with the Champions League, Chelsea and Madrid. The under is two and a half, so we're going to pound the under here. Chelsea got their away goal last week, so look for Chelsea to just park the bus, and that's easily going to be the under. Second one, this might be the least popular of the lot. Arsenal is minus 0.5 goals at home 
against Villarreal on Thursday for Europa League. Arsenal was given an absolute gift in a lifeline um, in the form of a Bush League bullshit penalty. So unfortunately, they're probably going to go through against Villarreal at home. So take the 0.5 to Arsenal there. Third, back to popularity, Spurs minus a half goal against Leeds. We're going to smash them. So jump on that one. Leeds are going to come at us, open game. We have more talent. It's going to win out. Fourth one, over two and a half goals in West Ham at home against Everton. Everton can score. West Ham needs to win. That's going to be an open game. So definitely take the over two and a half goals there. There's your free money. Let's go get rich, kids. Thanks, Lucas, as always. Uh, I've got to do it someday and just open up my account and start gambling, I think. Uh, But let's go to John's uh, lone player update next. Okay, well, thanks, guys, and welcome to uh, John's monthly uh, loanee roundup. So we've had some in, it, very interesting things been going on in, uh, since I last spoke to you a month ago. Three um, players have come back from loan, so we're no longer talking about Jack Clark at Stoke, who was evidently injured and has returned. Um, Malachi Fagan-Walcott, was with Dundee, I believe he was injured and returned. And Keziah Sterling, who was playing for Granite Morton, he's been returned, although I have not received information on whether or not he was injured or they just decided to cut it loose. He had a bit of a torrid time there at the beginning because uh, so many of their games were cancelled because of COVID. And uh, anyway, being being in, uh, in Granite in uh, the earlier part of the year is probably one of the most cold, miserable places to be anyway. So uh, anyway, he's back. Um, Our star loanee, Oliver Skip, um, has had a great month. Uh, Norwich have won the championship. He was part of that uh, team. They had a vote for the uh, best Norwich player of the year, and he came third. Um, which at 20 years old is a great achievement. And he's been an integral part of that Norwich uh, team promotion. I did hear today that he has broken a bone in his foot, um, which is a bit disappointing. But if he was going to do it, this is the time to do it because um, he should be, you know, he should be fighting fit for next season. The England under-21s haven't got anything to play. Uh, You know, they've got no competition to play, so he won't be playing there. Um, so we'll just hope he gets fit and gets back because I'm really looking forward to him being part of the squad next year. Um, Juan Foyth, who plays, uh, for Villarreal, he has, he, he had a blinder of a game against Barcelona and Arsenal. I don't know if you saw that game uh, against Arsenal, but, uh, until he went off injured, he had uh, made significant runs into the uh, into the forward area and had played extremely well. Um, uh, some people have said, well, he did give away a penalty, um, except that it was brought back. It wasn't a penalty. And I think in his mind, I'm going to give him a break because the guy obviously handballed it. And I think he just he figured that that was going to get called and he didn't really play on as if he would have done normally. Um, He's played uh, for Villarreal 31 times this year. Um, The bad news is that Villarreal combined for £13 million at the end of this loan. 
And quite honestly, at that price, he's an absolute bargain. And I can't see Villarreal not taking that option up. Um, Ryan Sessignon, Hoffenheim. Um, in the Bundesliga, he's made 26 appearances. And he looks to me like he's going to be vying for a spot on our in our squad next year. Left-sided, wing-back, full-back. I think we've got room for him next season and uh, look forward again to seeing him. Uh, last time we talked about Paul Gazaniga, he hadn't played a minute for Elsh. Well, that changed last month in April. Um, he started in the last, he started the last four games for them. And two of those have been a clean sheet. Now, bear in mind, they hadn't had a clean sheet all year. And, uh, uh, they all seem to be doing better with him in goal. They were dancing with relegation, but I think the results they've had in April and early May uh, have made them clear of that relegation. So I think he's done his bit down there and he's getting playing time, which is a good thing. Okay, Troy Parrott. I'm a bit fed up with been reporting on the fact that he's not doing very well. Um, he was not in the squad for any of the games that it was which played in April. Um, he came back, he, he came on on the 61st minute uh, on the 1st of May on Saturday. Um, and, you know, Ipswich are a difficult team. They're not going to get relegated. They're not going to get promoted. Um but I don't know what happened in April, but he still, you know, scored one goal. And that, you know, for someone who's supposed to be this really special striker, um, he should be banging them in in, in Ipswich, quite honestly. Um, Ioma, Lincoln City, scored his first senior goal against Burton, um, which is good for him because he does play in the back. But he's made 46 appearances for the Imps who are now guaranteed a playoff spot. They're not going to make the automatic promotion spots, but they can't drop down into not being in the playoffs. So let's let's watch him and Lincoln, see whether he can help them get promoted there. Um, Harvey White at Portsmouth, and I think he's the youngest one we've got out on, um, out on our loan. Um, he has not been starting games at all, but he has been coming off the bench a lot. On Saturday, he came on in the 84th minute. Um, so he's getting good minutes down there, and uh, uh, he's certainly getting very good reports from Portsmouth on uh, the way he's playing and his attitude and, and everything else. So, you know, I think we put Harvey White in the good column for the future. Um, then we've got a couple of uh, guys at Cambridge United, Shiloh Tracy. Um, he's still getting good time off the bench, um, not starting games, but he, he routinely comes on with about half an hour left and uh, seems to hold himself very well. Um, Okendina, um, a bit of a mystery with him because he played every game until April. And then he's been an unused sub in the last three games. On Saturday, he came on at halftime against Harrogate, the game that they lost 5-4, um, which was a bit disappointed because if they won, they would have got promotion. 
Now, they're still looking, Cambridge is still looking to get promoted, but they could have uh, sealed it on Saturday and they didn't. Uh, so we'll look for him to get promotion. Uh, hopefully it won't be through the playoffs. They've just got to win a couple of games there. But uh, why he was not used in April, I have no idea. Um, Jack Rolls at Stevenage has not been on the bench. And I don't know what's going on there, but it doesn't seem to me like it's working. I mean, I've seen, I saw Jack Rolls play before he uh, came to us. I saw him play when he, uh, you know, when he's had roles in the Europa Cup and the League Cup or whatever. And he, he looked like a decent player, but something's not working at Stevenage because if he's not even getting on the bench, then um, I, it doesn't look as if he's having a happy time there at Stevenage. So, um, then we've got, uh, oh, I missed out on Tracy playing for Cambridge. He got his first senior goal last month. So, you know, good for him. Um, and lastly, uh, Brandon Austin, he's playing for Orlando in the uh, MLS. Uh, he's been consistently on the bench, has not been called for yet. I think they've played three games so far. Um, but I think it'll be interesting. They do have a very experienced goalkeeper. That is their first team choice. Um, but he's back up. He's sitting on the bench. Um, he'll be playing in the summer. So it'll be interesting to see uh, see what happens to him. So there we are. I think this will be my penultimate uh, loanee report for this month. I'll come back in a month's time and uh, tell you all about what happened to them during in May. But uh, when the season's over, they all come back and we're going to see who are going to stay and who are going to go. So that's it from me. So long and uh, you all take care. Well, thanks as always, John. And like I'm 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 hopeful that we can get maybe uh, one or two players out of this current crop. Certainly Skip looks like he's set to come back to the squad. Sassignan has a decent chance and maybe even Foyth uh, might prove that he deserves a uh, a chance to play for the squad. So uh, d- definitely great to hear about how guys are doing. Even if we don't bring play- these players into our squad, like these loans can lead to financial gain by selling selling these players on to other teams um, and developing their skill level. So d- definitely great to keep up with it. And thanks for your work there, John. Yeah, I think with, with Forth, I'd love to have him on the team. I just don't think with the financial situation that's already been established, that, that that's going to happen. Yeah, no, I, I definitely understand that. Like, uh, especially in international player slots and everything like that, that it all becomes an issue. But, but great, great conversation. Uh, we do have one more halftime segment, um, and we're going to kind of discuss as we go, right, Tommy? So let's go to Tommy's back page update. Thanks, Anthony. Uh, so, as Anthony said, my name is Tommy, and this is your back page update. So it's been rumored by multiple news sources that out-of-contract Manchester City striker Sergio Aguero is wanted by Spurs. Other clubs interested are allegedly Everton, Chelsea, and Barcelona. Um, I'll just give out my thoughts. Probably unlikely to happen, but but if we did get him, it would be great to have a quality striker uh, when Harry Kane invariably does get injured next season. Hate all you want. Odds are it's probably going to happen. And, of course, Sergio Aguero's scoring record. I mean, you can't dispute that. So we talked about earlier, it's probably unlikely that we won't be in the Champions League. 
Uh, so that's a sticking point. But the other one is potential wages that we would have to pay him. Yeah, I mean, it seems like a long shot, doesn't it, Tommy? Um, to that point, like, um, I, I think we would love to have a guy like that to be our second striker or to be a, a like, it's certainly better than Vinicius, who, by the way, we haven't seen since uh, Mason came on board. Um, but, um, but yeah, it seems like a long shot wage-wise and everything else, all the other solutions that we're going to have to find this offseason, uh, which are obviously very deep with potentially center backs and and more midfielders and and maybe uh, wing backs or full backs to pay upon who who the coach is and what the system is but uh, but great point anybody else want to comment on that before we move on let's uh, let's go to your next point Tommy okay so there is some good news of course so um midfielder Hogman's son is close to agreeing to a new contract uh, the new deal, what has been offered since last September. Um, this would appear to be expect, expected. He loves the club. He loves London. Um, his parents are living with him, too. So I don't know if he wants to uproot um, and leave London just yet. I mean, you never know, of course. But uh, this would, of course, be a boost for the new manager, whether, you know, wh- whomever that may be. Um, just because there's a he's a mainstay in the squad, of course, and that will provide some continuity because, I mean, he's been with us, what, for seven, what, six, seven seasons? So why not? Yeah, I, I, I certainly tell me there's value to – we like there, there's financial value to what we can sell, uh, the merchandise we can sell with Sun to the, 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 the English-Korean populace and the people that travel to England to watch uh, Sun when uh, we don't have COVID. Um, and he's just a great – guy that it's easy to like despite like hit the slumps he sometimes goes through um now obviously he's a guy that has potential value for transfer if we were like talking about a rebuild um but what are you what's your thought on this lucas i'm kind of interested in what you have to say no it's and, and you kind of touched on it with like the korean thing like i i can't stress enough how that it adds like in a, financially it is astronomical it's very different with Sun and any other type of player because of that South Korean, like he's like the Beatles in South Korea. He is the most important person in South Korea by a mile. He's like their K-pop bands. He's that level of celebrity. And so you see the merchandise, the ticket sales, especially with, if you were to remove COVID, the amount of South Korean fans that are now, South Korea has its own Spurs bar. Like it's like a proper only Spurs, like, bar to watch Spurs games at because of Youngman's son. Like, that's the type of revenue that we're looking at with son. And then if you take away the financial aspect, you're looking at a guy that he does, again, I cut the back off him a little bit last week because of his play in the final, but this is a guy that loves being here. He works his ass off. He's a phenomenal player. He is an absolute talent, um, and that speaks time and time again with how he's able to score goals and create stuff with Harry. It's um, yeah, if, if if we can sign him and re-up this contract, like there's just no downside to it. Like I'm all for it, and I'm excited about it. I'm excited to have him for more years. Yeah, no, definitely. Like, I, I can't argue with that uh, transfer. John, any final thoughts before we move on to the next topic? Okay, good. Uh, let's go to Tommy, next point. Uh, this is the last one for a back page update. Uh, so this is everybody 
we'll want to talk about. Um, so for rumors for the new manager, um, there's some that have been out or ruled out, like Julian Nagelsmann, who's going to go to Bayern Munich. Uh, who's the other? I can't think of his name. Uh, the, Eric Ten Hag from IX. He's signed a contract extension. So that's unlikely. If we do, we'll, we're going to have to pony up the money. But um, here's some other ones that have been rumored rec- or this past week. Um, Roberto Martinez, uh, it's been alleged that he'll be re- open to return to club management after the Euros. Scott Parker, this could seem very feasible. He, A, he used to play for us. Uh, he also helped coach the youth while moonlighting as a club ambassador. Another one, Ralph Rangnick. He was, they called him the architect who helped build, build uh, Red Bull Leipzig to the club they are now. Uh, another good, another one, uh, Graham Potter. He is Brighton's current coach. Uh, from what I saw from an article today, he is on Steve Hitchens' shortlist. And lastly, I did allude to this earlier, the current interim manager, Ryan Mason. Anybody have any thoughts to this or anything else or Um, or potential new manager? I think Ten Hag going off the table. I was kind of intrigued by him because of his ability developing a, 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 like a full system from development to um, um, two players in the squad for Ajax. Um, Like I, I, I really thought that there was some potential there that you could make work with Spurs because we do have a good development system and youth system. Like I, I, I could see like how that could be a whole shift, but I certainly had reservations about him never coaching in the premiership before. Um, but it's, it's almost like, uh, it feels like the option isn't there to me, but, um, but I, let me go to other people's, uh, thoughts before we go to a couple questions that we have on this. So, uh, uh, Lucas, do you have thoughts on who you want to be the 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 next? And then, actually, let's go to Peter's question and ask that question. Uh, Tommy, do you have Peter's question queued up? Yes, I do. Okay, so our good friend of the podcast, Peter. There you are. Regardless of which poor sap Levy hires as our next coach. What are the odds he ever again hires an actual DOF? DOF, uh, director of football. Uh, what's the lock, Lucas? And Peter puts hashtag never going to happen. Um, I'll just kind of start this off. Director of football would be great. It's As a long-suffering Bears fan, we don't have somebody like that where it's like vice president of football operation that just focuses on the sporting side of the club. And I, I mean, Levy probably knows it, but like, of course, results will help get him more money um, on the commercial side. So if somebody could just help focus on this and like that person would find a manager and so forth, that'd be great. But unfortunately for right now, the process, I think is a little too late for this current search, but I don't know who's got something to say. Uh, Lucas? You guys can comment on like whether just in general, like who you want next and answer Peter's question as well. So go ahead, Lucas. Well, I think my opinion here, because what Tommy was talking about and Peter's question kind of ties in together. Um, the re- I've been leading towards Scott Parker and it's not one of those nostalgia things. Like 
I'm not, oh, he's one of our own, so he should manage our club. Like, I don't care if the guy was Gooner, Chelsea, whatever. If you're the best manager for our club, you need to be in. But um, unless, like, barring Sol Campbell. But I think the the reason that I like the idea of Scott Parker is that he might have that ability to deal with Levy so he knows what he's in for. Like, if we don't have the director of football, you're kind of dealing with – you have two opposing forces. One guy is, how do I win games on the field? And then you have one guy that's, how do I make money for a bunch of rich other people? That That's my job is to make money for a couple other rich people. And I think Scott Parker has experience dealing with Levy, so he's not going to be blindsided. He's not going to show up and be all of a sudden, oh, my God. I thought we would be able to spend here, or I thought we'd be able to bring this in. Why are you selling this player? I had plans for him. Stuff like that where I think Scott Parker would be – and Scott Parker has a bit of an identity in terms of he knows the way he wants to play. And right now when we're this lost, I think that is that is like the first thing is let's get that identity first. And I think Scott Parker has that, and he has the relationship with Levy. So ideally I would take Scott Parker at this point. But again, we don't we don't really know. None of us thought Potts was going to be any good. Turns out probably the best manager we've ever had since Bill. But That's the first case I, I've heard for Scott Parker in a while. And I understand your point, but he was he is likely to get relegated this year. But but I think there is a um, certainly a case that there's some value. Uh, John? Yeah, I, I think in managing soccer teams, there are managers who do very well in adverse situations and do, don't do so well when they've got a bunch of superstars on the pitch. And I think that there are managers that do well with superstars on the pitch. And uh, it's a very, it, it, it differentiates. I think that differentiation is important. I mean, Sam Allardyce, I would never hire Sam Allardyce to um, win the premiership, but I'd hire him to keep a club up. So I think we have different, and I'm I'm not sure which uh, camp Scott Parker fits in yet, whether or not he could handle the superstars. He's certainly done very well. I mean, he got Fulham promoted, um, and I think quite now, Right now, Full was playing some good football. They just dug themselves in such a huge hole early on that uh, they weren't able to dig themselves out. But uh, I, I, if they were to take a chance on Scott Parker, I would support him. But having said that, I'd support everybody that they put on. But, uh, yeah, I, th- I think there's a good case to be made there for sure, John. Um, uh, I, I understand that option. Let, let's talk a bit about Ralph, Ralph uh, Ragnick, because uh, uh, and we have a question that goes to that, Tommy. So um, uh, it comes from the guy I call Big Bird. So it's at AP two three eight seven one asks us a question. Yes. Uh, so his question is, why does the club appear to be so disinclined to Ralph Ragnick as our next coach? He seems like an outstanding candidate but I keep seeing that his age is a problem. But Mourinho is 50 years old. So from what I saw, he's 63. So it's not like, I don't know. If Josie Mourinho was 63, I'd still hire him because he had a proven track record. In terms of Ralph Ragnick, like I don't think he's really won anything. So it's like, 
yeah, we might play exciting football and might be back to the Pochettino times, but it's a short shelf life because of that. And it, we probably won't see, we might not win trophies because of it. So I, that's my, ar- or that would be the argument that I would take at least, but I don't know. John, John you had your hand up? Thanks, Tommy. Yeah, John, John go ahead. Yeah, I mean, who says he's out of favor? The press. The press don't know what's going on. They don't know. I mean, all they do is conjecture about potential candidates. Um, I doubt whether any of them have an inside track inside the club to figure out how the club is thinking. So, I, I mean, I take all the all the suggestions of who's going to be the next manager with a pinch of salt. And, um, you know, certainly I don't think anybody could have predicted that Mourinho was going to come when he did. And I wouldn't be surprised if... Uh, the next manager is someone we're not that familiar with. Well, because we were familiar with Mourinho, but for all the bad, all the wrong reasons. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, the press just, they want to go off on it. They want to print something. If they, you know what they say, if they haven't got anything to say, they print it anyway. Um, so I, I think we can chill and relax and see, uh, see where that comes from without having to worry about, should we be thinking about this guy? Should we not be thinking about that guy? Um, it's out of our hands. Yeah, I th- I think it was the right move to, uh, to your point, John, to bring in my Ryan Mason and say we're going to give you the rest of the season. There's going to be a lot more available after the season's over. We can decide who we're going to bring in. I think I think if I'm going to look at it, most likely it's probably going to be some somebody who's coaching now at the bottom of uh, the Premier League table. Um, but it, it, it could be a guy like uh, Ralph uh, Ragnick. I, I haven't seen much. I, I think you're right, Tommy. I don't know that he's 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 really won anything. Um, I'm sure he's had some reasonable accomplishments, and, and maybe we should consider. But also, you kind of want to see somebody who's had some success in the Premier League because we've had some bad luck with uh, going the opposite direction as well, which was also the same problem with Ten Hag, but... Um, it's an interesting conversation. Any final thoughts on coaches before we preview this Leeds match? Uh, okay, well, great conversation. Thanks, as always, for your back page uh, update, Tommy. Uh, do you have any final thoughts? Uh, no, nah, I pretty much said my piece. I'm, I'm kind of in the same thing as Peter. It's like, whoever can deal with Levy, it's, that's our manager. I, I'd like to see Graham Potter. I'd like to see if he can actually work with talent. Uh, plays the Spurs way, so to speak. Um, and Brendan I think Rogers, he would, would you like Brendan Rodgers? I would like to have him, but why would Brendan Rodgers move to Spurs? Like realistically, like yeah, Spurs Less are top four, yeah, yeah. They have and he, he he got to build them in his own image, so to speak. So, and, like, does he want to deal with the riffraff and shipping out a bunch of bad eggs like Sanchez and whomever? You know, it's I, – I think Brendan Rodgers is in a cushy spot right now. So, I I know Lester's probably not going to contend for a trophy anytime soon, but this, like, him qualifying for Champions League or even Europa League, like, if he's top five, six every season until he's gone, I don't think that the board or lesser fans would complain about that. Yeah, no, I, I, I think you're right there. Um, well, with that, I, 
I want to uh, shift the conversation. We have one match to preview before this weekend. Uh, so we're going to make this maybe five, no more than ten minutes, but uh, let's try and keep it around five minutes. Um, we have um, leads away this Saturday, uh, May 8th. That's um, the early match, so 6.30 here in Chicago. Uh, currently, Leeds is sitting eighth place in the league with 47 points. That's 14 wins, five draws, and 15 losses. Most recently, a 2-0 loss at home to, to Brighton. I'm, I'm sorry, a, uh, away to Brighton. Um, prior to that, they drew Man United. They drew Liverpool. They beat Man City. And they beat Sheffield United. Um, so they've been on a pretty good run of form there for the, the teams that they're playing. Um after us, they have a Tuesday match, uh, May 11th, away to Burnley. So they do have a quick turnaround after the Saturday match. Um, we play Wednesday, I believe, which gives us one extra day of rest. Um, their top goal scorer right now is uh, Patrick Bamford with 14. Uh, both Stuart Dallas and Jack Harrison both have seven behind him. Bamford is also the top assist man with seven. Rafina and Jack Harrison both have six behind him. Rafina is the top-rated player with 7.33, and uh, Bamford is behind him with 7.06. Um, I'm only going to go to the last two matches that we faced them. Uh, so we uh, we beat them in uh, – oh, no, we're only, the, the, really the, the most recent match is the only one that matters here. So January, uh, uh, we beat, beat them 3-0. Um, it was a very open game, and we, uh, like our talent, uh, overmatched them, as most of us predicted on the podcast. And our previous four uh, go back to 2013 and all the way to 2004, mostly FA Cup matches that we faced Leeds. So we haven't seen them in a while, and those uh, aren't really pertinent, but the, we did face them earlier this year and beat them 3-0, which um, do you think the away leg is... Uh, is um, our home leg uh, is going going to be the same as this away leg. Uh, what do you guys think? Uh, let's start with John first. Yeah, I think Leeds are one of the teams that have very little to play for. Um, it's their first season up. They've done remarkably well. They're not going to get relegated. They're not going to get in the top four. They're not going to get into Europe unless it's the Europa combination. And I... Over and over again, I see teams that are in that situation with three or four games to go pretty much come and go through the motions. Um, I mean, Leeds are a good side, but I don't think Tottenham's going to have... If we play the way we did uh, yesterday, I I think we should take this game nicely. Um, And I hope we make up, quite honestly, my... my, uh, my history in Tottenham Leeds games goes back to uh, November of '97, when our old friend Jonathan Woodgate scored, I think, from a free kick to, for a one-nil win when Spurs had dominated the game. So, I'm I'm forever trying to make up for that, and I hope we do so on uh, hope we do so on Saturday. Lucas, yeah, I think. Um... John had mentioned this is typically one of those situations where you see a team that doesn't have a lot to play for. But this is Leeds who, again, as you just read off those names of their last uh, handful of games, they're like playing Brighton, they're not up for it. But playing Liverpool, United, and City, apparently they're up for it. 
this is a team in Leeds that fancies themselves as one of the top clubs in England. Uh, so I think when they play the big six, if you will, or the top clubs that we're seeing over the last couple decades, the real big clubs of England, they're up for it. And they kind of have a chip on their shoulder in these games. Uh, that being said, I think it really does benefit us the way that they're going to play. Um, I think the big X factor, of course, is going to be Harry Kane. Harry's got, as of right now, he sits the top Premier League goal scorer and the Premier League assist leader. So I think Harry, we usually see down the end of the season where we don't have anything on the table in terms of trophies to play for, but Harry seems to want to get those personal accolades. So I think Harry's going to be due for a couple. Um, he probably got a little salty watching Bale get the hat trick yesterday. You know he's <laughs> got to just be itching to score. So, uh, yeah, I think this is going to be set up perfectly for us where they're going to come at us, try and prove something. And I think our talent's just going to win out. And especially now the way we've been playing, I don't, I don't anticipate us throwing out any other crazy lineup as opposed to what we know works. So I expect to see Bale, Maselso, uh, Sun, Kane back out there, maybe Amora switched in. Um, but cause Mora would be great in this game where it's going to be counterattacks and running at him. But yeah, I think it's going to be a very, end-to-end game, but I think our talent's going to win out. Yeah, good shout there. Uh, Tommy, uh, uh, what do you think on this one? Uh... Yeah, I'm kind of on a similar boat as Lucas. Like, we sh- – and John brought up a good point. Like, they're, they, there's not a lot to go for with leads. I'm like, they're comfortably safe. They don't – they're not going to qualify for Europe, and they're, you know, not going to get relegated. So – Spurs as a team would be the most there's more motivation and reason to play because a solidify their place in Europe b make you know outside chance but still run the table for Europe or for Champions League um based on what Lucas said in terms of the lineup I mean Mauricio Pochettino is a disciple of Maurice or Marcelo Bielsa so Ryan, whether it be Ryan Mason or the players, they should have a general idea of how they're going to line up and play. So I think, yeah, Patrick Bamford has done well for them, but I think if we just fight fire with fire and dare them to score more goals than us, and it's like if we score five goals, they might score three, you know? So I'm I'm not saying it's going to be an exciting game, but I, I'm in like I'll put my prediction later. But I do believe we'll win. And um, like I said before, if Bale's healthy, he has to play. That is, he should be a de facto starter along with Harry Kane, Hugo Lloris, and Toby right now, and Hoyberg, of course. Um, but other than that, like Lucas brought up a good point about Lucas. I I know he didn't feature yesterday, but he's that guy that's going to run around. Be- everywhere um so like i said about bielsa they're going to be possession or try to be do possession based but they're going to press as well so i think because of that lucas will have the stamina and endurance to like if he needs to last the whole 90 minutes he will get that job done and give 110 percent for those 90 minutes so yeah we'll see i guess and good Lucas stuff. and stamina, two words I've always said should just be synonymous with each other. <laughs> good points. No, no, but good shouts. 
everybody because yeah, this is going to be an open game, and if this could be that shooting shootout that we we're expecting that, but this is the one that we come on top of. We did manage to beat them three nil the first round, and that was under a Jose Mourinho side um, with uh, with Mason just uh, allowing people to 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 run at goal a little bit, press a little bit higher. Um, yeah, it it might just come down to talent. I think like you guys said, and I think we have more talent. Um, if we, if, if we make some stupid mistakes in the process, uh, but what I kind of saw and kind of going back to the, um, the, the match this weekend against Sheffield, Sheffield United, like it seemed like because especially that second half, because we were pressing more, we took away a lot more opportunities, uh, where like when we just sat back defending under Jose Mourinho, like uh, it, it gave a guy like Dyer who has the propensity to make mistakes, or a guy like Arie who can make some stupid mistakes, a lot more opportunities to make mistakes. So, if they want it to be a shootout, let's go ahead and give it to them, and uh, I think we can win that shootout. Um, any final thoughts before we go to predictions, uh, John? Yeah, before we go to predictions, I've just looked at the goal differences between Leeds and and Tottenham. We are uh, plus uh, 22 and Leeds are minus two. So in terms of a shootout, I'm not going to predict that. I I think that uh, I think our defence right now is good enough uh, not to give up more than one goal on, um, on Saturday. Okay, I think that's a fair point, and uh, we'll let you start with predictions, John. Okay, I'm going to go with 3-1, and uh, a goal each for our tri-stars, Bale, Kane, Son. Love it. Uh, let's go to Lucas next. I have I have a very similar one. Um, I had 4-1, same exact thing. Bale gets one, Son gets one, and Kane has two. I like it. I like it. Um, let's go to Tommy. I actually have a mixture of both. I'm predicting a 3 0. Um, I'm going to say Kale, or Kale, Kane, Bale, and Lucas Mora. Um, I'm hoping, like Lucas said, Mora starts. So I'm, I know, as John said, that Leeds United can score. My, I, like I said, I've been shitting on Eric Dyer this whole season. But whenever he plays or is paired with somebody that has leadership and knows how to direct, he's fine. So even though we lost against Man City, him and Toby paired up. They did very well. Same as yesterday. I know it's against Sheffield United, who's bottom of the league, but they played very well together as well. So... I, I'm not. I mean, so I would say like as of right now, because of that, that's the best center back pairing, and they work well together. So let's shoot for a shutout. I love it. Um, I'm going to go with Lucas's prediction though, and say four one. I'm going to pick different goal goal scorers. I think it's going to be a, like Harry Kane's going to have a point to prove, and I think it's going to be a Harry Kane hat trick, and then a uh, bail gets uh, one answered goal um, just uh, to kind of wrap things up. But I think uh, Kane wants to prove the point that Bale's not the only superstar on this te- team. Um, that's just kind of what I'm feeling, and I hope it happens. because I think that Wait, are you saying Kane gets a hat trick? 
Kane gets a hat trick and Bale okay. gets the other goal. Yes. Actually, sorry to interrupt, but that, that was kind of the other thing yesterday. I'm like, you know, Sun and Sun scores and Bale gets a hat trick. You know how we all know how competitive Harry Kane is. So like, it's like while he was, he's probably happy that we got W and the three points. But like inside, he's probably fuming. It's like, yeah, we murdered them, but I didn't score. So I think he might be. So like Anthony, if he Bargman's sake, if he scored a hat trick on Saturday, it's because he's bursting at the seams and he's just ready to explode out of the gates. Are you going to give me extra points uh, in our uh, competition for predictions? If uh, no, because if, that would be unfair to everybody else. <laughs> okay. No. Yeah, I'm with you a little bit there, um, mate. I think he's due to break out. He doesn't have three usually three games in a row where he doesn't score. Yeah. So he's I, due. Yeah, I think he's. And this due. is usually where we see Harry at the end of the season here, when he's. Right now, he's in the pole position to get that golden boot. Like, that's another – that's something he wants. So, yep. I look to him to – he's definitely going to come out and have a game. Yeah, I think so. Um, well, excellent conversation today. Uh, any final thoughts before we wrap things up? I just want to mention very briefly this weekend, like, uh, Chicago Spurs and actually four-star Spurs, we all participated in the uh, um, the the social media boycott. Um, uh <laughs> to stop uh, racial abuse uh, online in those formats, which which I think is an outstanding cause. Um, uh, Obviously, we're back in action now, um, but I think it's worthy to mention that, like, uh, we do need to stand together and and ask social media companies to to enforce their own policies and not not allow players like Sun to be... um, uh, racially abused after a, a bad performance because that's that, that there's no justification for that um and i think that's an important thing to just mention before we wrap up this episode but i'll give you guys one more chance any final thoughts before we go well thanks so much to lucas tommy and john for being on this episode uh but that about wraps it up so thanks to tommy for editing and sound tonight charlie for the music kevin for social media lucas for luke's locks uh john for lone player update tommy for back page update um and the as always the atlantic bar and grill for the use of the recording space even though we're not recording online still we're excited to be back there watching matches and can't wait to record back there in person eventually hit the subscribe button and write a review on itunes if you like our podcast or wherever you get your podcast find us on now on both spotify and stitcher check us out on twitter and facebook at four stars and our website at four Come on.